Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So back in... 2018, while I was serving on staff as the associate pastor at First Baptist Church, Watauga, uh, one Thursday evening, our pastor, Pastor Dennis, gave me a call. And it was kind of a, a weird phone call for me because after working in the office with him all week long, over the phone, he asked me, would you preach for me this Sunday? And I said, well, sure, I will, but is everything okay? And he said, yeah, everything's okay. I just get the sense that the Lord doesn't want me to preach this Sunday. And uh, he said, I really can't explain it. I'll be there. I will support you as you're preaching. But I don't think that the Lord wants me to preach this Sunday. And I said, okay, well, I'll preach for you. And so we ended the phone call, and I still just kind of thought, well, this is weird. And so Friday and Saturday, I prepared my sermon for Sunday morning, still not really fully understanding why I was going to be preaching. But then on Sunday morning, when I woke up, I had a text message from Dennis's wife saying that she had to take him to the ER in the middle of the night, and he was currently being prepped for emergency surgery to have his appendix taken out. And as I read that text message, I was immediately thankful that we have a God that knows the future. We have a God that knows the things that we don't know. We have a God that can see the things that we can't see. And not only can he see the things that we can't see, but in his knowledge, he has plans and purposes for our lives and for this world. And he is able to accomplish his plans and his purposes. So over the last several weeks, we have been as we've been building up to the celebration this morning, the celebration of Christ's birth, I've been asking you to remember this truth, that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. There's never been a point in eternity that caught God off guard. There's never been a point in eternity that God did not have a plan. And this is especially true as we think about the fall of mankind. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they chose to disobey God, God knew that they were going to sin. Even before God created this world, even before God created Adam and Eve, He knew that they were going to choose disobedience. And so before God created this world, He already had a plan for our redemption. And Christ is that plan for our redemption. And so we're reminded once again that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. So we're wrapping up our series this morning titled, Planned, Promised, Provided. And over the last several weeks, as we've looked at Scripture, we've seen in Genesis how, how God began to reveal hints of His plan as He laid out the consequences for Adam, Eve, and the serpent, and as He established a covenant with Abraham. We've seen in, in, in Isaiah and Micah how God began to promise through prophecy to send the Messiah into this world. But this morning, 
As we look at and as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we get to see how in God's faithfulness, He didn't just plan to send the Messiah, and He didn't just promise to send the Messiah. In His faithfulness, He sent the Messiah into this world. He was able to accomplish His plans and His purposes by sending Jesus into this world for us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 25 today. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And as you're turning there, I want to set this up for you. As we look at the gospel of Matthew, Matthew was known for his record keeping. If you remember, before Matthew became a follower of Christ, Matthew was a tax collector. And so when when Jesus called Matthew to follow him, Matthew left everything behind. Matthew left his tax booth behind. He got up. He left everything behind, except maybe his pen and paper. And so Matthew is known for his record keeping. And so at the start of Matthew's gospel, we see the genealogy of Jesus on Joseph's side. Now, Joseph was not Jesus's father by blood, but he would be Jesus's father by law. And so as we saw a few weeks back, God established a covenant with Abraham. And then we see in verses 2 through 16 of Matthew chapter 1, we see this genealogy of how we get from Abraham to Joseph to Jesus. And then in verse 17, we see the word generation four times talking about all of the generations that that waited from the time that the covenant was established with Abraham until Jesus was provided generation after generation after generation after generation. They waited. They waited for the promised Messiah to finally arrive. And then the Messiah that had been planned and the Messiah that had been promised This Messiah finally arrived onto the scene, not early, not late, but at exactly the right time, in God's timing. Now, many times we don't understand why we have to wait for God to fulfill His promises. We don't always understand why it's taking God so long to move at times. But I believe that just as He did in in sending Jesus Christ... God fulfills His promises to us at exactly the right times. But I want you to understand this truth. While we are waiting, God is still working. While we are waiting, God is still working. You see, there are two things that God was doing throughout the Old Testament as people were waiting for Jesus to arrive. First, God was teaching. God was teaching God was teaching mankind of our need for a Savior. God was demonstrating through the law our inability to live up to His standard of holiness, of perfection. And so we were learning through the law that we desperately need a Messiah to come. God was also showing through acts of judgment and wrath just how seriously He takes sin. Wrath was poured out sometimes by fire. Wrath was poured out by a flood. Wrath sometimes was poured out. It was executed through the sword. And so we see throughout the Old Testament just how seriously God takes sin. Sin requires death. The wages of sin 
is death. And so God was teaching, teaching mankind to turn to him, teaching mankind to trust him, and teaching mankind that we need him to provide a Messiah for us. And so if you're waiting for God to move in your life today, then let me encourage you to pray a simple prayer. God, what do you want me to learn in my waiting? What do you want me to learn in my waiting? Maybe it's that God is trying to teach you patience. Maybe it's that God is trying to teach you to trust him. Maybe it's that God's trying to teach you to grow in your faith. I can't really tell you what God is trying to teach you, but I can offer that simple prayer to you. God, what do you want me to learn in my waiting? And as you pray that prayer, remember this truth. While we are waiting, God is still working. So as the people waited for the Messiah to be provided, God was teaching. God was teaching, but, but God was also preparing Actually, while I was writing this point, I received a phone call from a friend who, who lives in a colder area than this. And so as this cold spell was coming in, he was actually in the middle of preparing his church facilities to receive homeless people during the freeze. And so he was in the process of getting everything ready, getting everything in place so that at the right time they could re receive those homeless people into their facility. So as the people waited for the right time for the Messiah to arrive, God was preparing. All of the right people had to be born in order to fulfill the prophecies, which is what we see in the genealogy here in Matthew. And all of the right people had to be in place in order for not just for Christ to be born, but for Christ to be crucified. The right people had to be in place so that Jesus would be rejected so that Jesus would be tried and so that Jesus would be nailed to that cross so that he could truly be our Messiah, so that he could be the redemption for mankind. Understand, we are not redeemed by Christ's birth. We are redeemed by Christ's death. We are not redeemed by Christ's birth. We are redeemed by Christ's birth. It wasn't enough for Jesus to be born. We needed Jesus to die for us. And so in order for that to happen, Jesus had to be born at the right time and live among the right people. So as people waited for the Messiah, God was teaching and God was preparing. While we are waiting, God is still working. So the right people were in place, the right time had come, and so God, as God had revealed his plans to send the Messiah and as God promised to send the Messiah, now God has sinned, sent the Messiah. The Messiah was finally provided. So with that in mind, let's read our passage this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, will, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." 
Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus Now, as we look at this passage together this morning, I want to begin by highlighting the first part of what we see there in verse 18. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. And as we read those words, we are reminded this is a true story. This is a true story. So some of you may be familiar with the TV show Dragnet. Actually, before it was a TV show, it was a, a radio show. In fact, it ran on NBC's radio network from 1949 to 1957. It's still considered to be one of the most influential crime dramas of its day. And at the start of each episode, a narrator would say this, Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Some of you may have heard that in the narrator's voice there. So as we look at the account of Christ, as we read through the genealogy and as we see how the birth of Jesus came about, while the names have not been changed, we are reminded that this is a true story. These were real people at a real point in history that these real events happened to. Mary and Joseph were real people with a real engagement Joseph was a real man who had to deal with real emotions when he discovered that the girl that he was engaged to was really pregnant. And during this time, engagements were taken so seriously, they were such a strong commitment that even though they weren't fully married, the engagement still had to be broken with a divorce. And so Joseph, this real man with real emotions thinks that he has found himself in the middle of a real scandal. And so he plans to seek a real divorce until he's visited by a real angel. This is a true story. You know, if I were going to create a fictional story to convince everybody that the Savior had come, I probably would not not tell the story and put it in the middle of a scandal. I probably would not have the Savior be laid in a manger to to parents who were not well known by anybody. I would probably make all of the details perfect. I, I might even make it slightly better than real life. But what we get in this story of Christ's birth are the nitty gritty details. Nothing has changed. Nothing is hidden. We just see the true story of how the birth of Jesus came about. Understand, God gave real sinners who need real forgiveness a real Savior. God gave real sinners who need real forgiveness a real Savior. Christ truly came into this world. He, he truly was laid in a manger, and He truly hung on a cross. And He did that so that you could receive, so that I could receive true forgiveness and true redemption. This is a true story. So as we look at this true story of how Christ was born, how he was provided for us, there are three truths that I want you to walk away with today. First, Christ was provided by God himself. 
Christ was provided by God himself. Let's read the second part of verse 18 now. It says, After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Christ was provided by God himself. And as we think about Christ being provided by God himself, we're reminded of this truth once again, that salvation is provided by God alone. Have you noticed this truth repeated throughout the course of this series? Salvation is repeated, or salvation is provided by God alone. So back when Ethan was in daycare, there was a song that became popular at the time called It's Raining Tacos, right? If you haven't heard this song, look it up on YouTube later today. And when you do, let me say you're welcome and I'm sorry. <laughs> All right? So this song became popular among the kids. It's raining tacos. And so there was one day after I picked Ethan up from daycare and we were going to pick Emily up from school, we wanted to learn the words to this song. And so we listened to this song on repeat from Ethan's school all the way to Emily's school, which was about a 15 to 20 minute drive. We listened to this song over and over and over again. We wanted to learn what it was saying. So in Genesis 3, we saw God provide a covering for Adam and Eve, reminding us that, that our sins need to be covered and, and only God can provide that covering for our sins for us. We saw in Genesis 12 and 17, as God established the covenant with Abraham, we, we saw God use two words over and over again, I will, reminding us that it's only God who can fulfill his covenant. It is only God who can fulfill his promises to us. And then in Isaiah chapter 7 that we looked at last week, we saw the, the prophecy was that the Lord would send, would give us a sign, that the Lord would send the Messiah himself. And so here again in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, we see that it was discovered when Mary was pregnant that she had become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Once again, we see this repeated, that the Messiah is going to be provided by God himself, that Christ would be provided by God himself just as he planned and just as he promised. And so this message that salvation is provided by God alone has been on repeat to mankind, being repeated over and over again. And I believe that this message is on repeat for us so that we will learn a simple message, so that we will learn what God is saying. So what is God saying to us? What is the message that God is trying to communicate to us as he repeats this over and over again through Scripture? I believe that it's a simple truth you need me. You need me. We weren't created to go through this life alone. We were created for a relationship. And the greatest relationship that we need isn't simply a relationship with other people. Those are good. But the greatest relationship we need is with God himself. And we are only able to have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and God provided Jesus for us. God is saying over and over and over again, 
You need me. You cannot do it alone. You cannot save yourself alone. You cannot redeem yourself alone. You need me. And the beautiful thing is, is that when we turn to Jesus so that we can receive that forgiveness and and redemption and, and life transformation and salvation, we get exactly what we need. We gain God himself. I don't know what you got for Christmas this morning. I got a few decent gifts myself. I'm wearing one of them right now. But the greatest gift that I ever received was that baby that was laid in the manger and the Savior that hung on the cross, who raised to new life, who, who through his death and resurrection has afforded me salvation and a resurrected life in him. It's the greatest gift that we can receive, and that gift was provided for us by God himself. So Christ was provided by God himself. Second, Christ was provided for our salvation. Christ was provided for our salvation. Let's read verse 21 again. It says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Christ was provided for our salvation. And really, this truth builds off of the first truth, that Christ was provided for us. Because as we've seen already, Christ didn't come to be laid in a manger. Christ came to hang on that cross. He came to die that we might receive this forgiveness, that we might receive this salvation, that we might receive this redemption. But this truth that that Christ was provided for our salvation is really seen most clearly in the name that was given to him, Jesus. Now, if you remember last week when we looked at Isaiah chapter 7, we saw that Jesus was going to be named Emmanuel. But here we see that the name given to him was was to be Jesus. So where's the confusion here? This is really where some of our English translations don't do this justice because what's being commanded here is that Jesus is to be named Jesus. But what was prophesied really wasn't that he was going to be named Jesus, but that he was going to be, or it was really not that he's going to be named Emmanuel, but that he was going to be called Jesus. Emmanuel, that this is what people were going to know him as. So when I was in high school, for a few years, uh, I had the nickname, people called me Skins. Uh, my name is Kevin, but people called me Skins because my last name is Skinner. But my senior year of high school for Christmas, my parents brought, bought me a yellow performance fleece from Old Navy. And so when I wore that yellow performance fleece to school after Christmas, people began to call me not just skins, but banana skins. (laughs) Kids are weird. So my name is Kevin, but people called me banana skins, all right? So, So we see two names here, Emmanuel and Jesus. One is what Jesus would be called, and one was what he would be named. And the name Emmanuel, as we've already talked about, Emmanuel means God with us. And this is what people would know Jesus as, that he was God in the flesh, that he was God with mankind. And this is really what we still call Jesus today. We still know him to be God with us. 
But the name Jesus means salvation of Yahweh or or the Lord is salvation. And so the legal name that was given to Jesus really describes the purpose for which he came into this world. He came not simply to be God with us. He came to be God's salvation for us. There's an old saying that still rings true today. Jesus didn't come to live. He came to die And because he came to die, I want you to know this, that he came to die for you. He came to die. He went to the cross for you so that through him you might know this salvation, so that through him you might know this redemption. It is a salvation that only he can provide. So Christ was provided by God himself. Christ was provided for our salvation Finally, this morning, Christ was provided to fulfill God's plans and promises. Let's read verses 22 and 23 again. It says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, or they'll call him Emmanuel. Christ was provided to fulfill God's plans and promises. If you remember, this prophecy that we see here in Matthew chapter 1 is from what we looked at last week, Isaiah chapter 7. And so here in Matthew chapter 1, we're told that Jesus is the one that fulfilled this prophecy from Isaiah. But this isn't the only prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. Rather, the New Testament is, is filled with times that Jesus fulfilled prophecies in his birth, life, death, and resurrection. And so as we think about all of these prophecies that have been fulfilled, I want to pause and say this. God does what He says He will do. God does what He says He will do. If God said that His plan was to send the Messiah, and if He promised to send the Messiah, then let me tell you, there was no doubt that God was going to send the Messiah into this world because God does what He says He will do. And so if If God said that his plan was to send the Messiah, and if we recognize that God has done this and that God does what he says he will do, if we recognize that that Christ was provided for our salvation, for our redemption, just as God planned and just as God promised, then the question for each of us is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Listen, we serve a God that has plans for our lives and for this world. And in his faithfulness, he is able to accomplish his plans and his purposes. So do you trust him? Another way to ask this is, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? The one who was planned, the one who was promised, and the one who was provided for us. Have you placed your faith in him. And if you haven't, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. I want to give you the opportunity to receive the greatest Christmas gift that you can ever receive, Jesus Christ. So in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond to this Christmas morning. And today, if you would say, I've never given my life to Christ, but I am ready to do that. 
I've never trusted, I've never followed Jesus as Lord, but today I'm ready to do that. If that's you, then as we sing this song, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right here, right down front. You can step out of your seat, you can join me, you can come and pray with me, and today you can know Jesus as Lord. Today you can receive that great Christmas gift. Now maybe you're here and you would say, well, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken the next step of baptism like Valerie and Janie Lynn did today. If you need to make that commitment to, to make your faith in Christ public through baptism, then I would love to invite you to respond as well. We can make that commitment together this morning. Now maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. I'd like to join First Baptist Church, Stockdale. I'd like to connect my life with this body of believers here. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.